Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, UFC Vegas 43, we're back in the apex for Ketlin Vieta versus Misha Tate. Of course, those of you who frequent the show know we will not be breaking down that fight or any of the other fights on the main card. No, 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 no. We will not do that. This is the prelim primer where we are going to break down only the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show, you might be asking yourself, why just the prelim portion of the card? Why not pay attention to the really exciting main event? Or, hey, maybe the co-main event between Sean Brady and Michael Chiesa. The answer is really simple. We know that you guys know who those guys at the top of the card are and the gals at the top of the card. But we know you might have a little trouble with the early prelims. And that's where you could really make a lot of money, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, maybe you're you're just gambling straight up, or, hey, you want to win a pick'em contest or something like that. Now, before we get to any of that great content, I do have to remind you that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, recaps, analysis, podcasts than you can shake a stick at. It's all too much, and when you're looking to get that insight to give you an edge when you're gambling, it can be hard to block out all of the noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary with some of the most respected names in the sports world, yours and truly included, and all of that incredible content is packaged in an intuitive, fully interactive app right there in the palm of your hand for free, no ads, none of that, free content right in your hands, and there's all kinds of other great features to the All-Star app that I'm going to tell you about a little bit later on, but for right now, just trust me, go to the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, to help me break down these fights, I am joined by the Combat Sports Editor of the Clutch Points app. I, of course, am talking about Lucas Grandsire. Lucas, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, sir. That intro sounds good. The Combat Sports Editor sounds good. <laughs> I like it. I had to spruce it up for you with the new title. So, uh, yes, sir. Ho- hopefully you enjoyed it. All right. So, as you guys know, we got to start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Pat Sabatini versus Tucker Lutz. Sabatini won his UFC debut over Jamal Emmers by heel hook back in August. A very impressive debut. Lutz, meanwhile, won his contract on the Contender Series. He actually won twice on the Contender Series and then debuted back in May, winning a decision over Kevin Aguilar. So, my question for you in this one, both of these guys love to wrestle. Uh, my, my question is, is either of them going to have the advantage there? And if not, who do you like striking? I mean, that's the thing, right? You put two wrestlers and you never see any wrestling unless it's Damian Maya. It's always, you know, everybody's got to prove their striking. So uh, honestly, I'm going to lean with um, Sabatini in this one. I feel like he's, you know, he's got the, the better competition to prove himself against. And uh, yeah, I just, I like him better. I feel like he's got more ways to uh, to finish the fight. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on this one. I think he's got more ways to finish the fight. The other thing I will say is, you know, like if you just look at pure stats and that's like if you're a stats guy and you're looking at Tucker Lutz, you're probably like, man, this guy is incredible at takedowns. You know, he's got tons of takedowns. He's he's winning all the time with, a you know, a thousand takedowns. He took down Aguilar a bunch of times. He took down Sherrod Blackledge. But, like, those guys aren't guys who wrestle, right? Like, I, I don't think of yeah. Kevin Aguilar as a good wrestler. I don't think it's, you know, Sherrod Blackledge is a great wrestler. I do think of Pat Sabatini and, and most of the guys on a Team Daniel Gracie there in Philly as good wrestlers, right? He's a guy who's wrestling with Sean Brady all day, and he's wrestling with, you know, uh, Jeremiah Wells and Andre Petrosky and, like, you know, guys who wrestle. 
So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he A has more ways to win, and B, I think if he stymies the wrestling of Tucker Lutz and he's the guy on top in all of these instances, I think obviously that's just a huge advantage for him. So yeah, I, I'm leaning with Sabatini in this one too. Now I guess here's the question: Do you think he can finish him in any of those ways, or do you think he's got enough advantage to win this by decision? Yeah, it's always going to be tough to catch that submission, especially against a wrestler. I mean, he uh, he's not really a guy that tends to get the knockout. So I feel like if we're being safe, we're going to go with a Sabatini decision. I like that, too. I'll go catch Sabatini unanimous decision as well. And that brings us to our second fight of the first round, which is Hoffa Garcia and Nanton Levy. So Garcia, 0-2 in the UFC. He's taken two kind of tough losses. He lost his UFC debut to Nazarat Hakparas on short notice. He followed that off with a loss to Chris Grutzmacher. Of course, before then, he was undefeated in Kombache. Uh, Levy, meanwhile, 6-0, making his UFC debut. He won his contract on the Contender Series back in November of 2020 with an arm triangle choke. Before that, we had seen him in LFA sort of tearing it up there. Like I said before, 6-0, undefeated, but kind of a short resume here. So my question for you is in Garcia's last fight with Chris Grutzmacher, he was the aggressor with the grappling, which I think surprised a lot of people because Grutzmacher kind of known as the wrestler here. I sort of feel like we're asking a similar question back-to-back fights here, but is that a good game plan for Rafa Garcia if he, he decides to try to wrestle Natan Levy? And if so, is he going to have any success with it? Well, that's the thing is you're going to want to be careful wrestling against a guy that tends to finish his submissions. And I'm not saying that because his last fight was a submission, but he's, you know, he's not really a knockout artist and we've seen him finish fights that way. So I feel like going into a fight like this, it's not the smart game plan. And I don't know, man, I just... This seems like the kind of matchup, just looking at it, you know exactly what went through the UFC's mind. They've got the guy that's 0-2 that they're ready to cut. Levy's undefeated. Good-looking cat. I mean, you feel like this is the kind of matchup, like, you know what the UFC is looking for in this one. Yeah, I I sort of agree with you on this one. It it almost feels like one of those setup fights for one of their newbies who they're pretty high on. Um, I I will say this. So you, you definitely said Rafa Garcia should not wrestle. He should not go to the grappling. You kind of, it, but but I feel like you're on the same boat with me here. You kind of feel like he's going to anyway, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look, what is fight IQ? No, thank you. No, not here. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, feel, I feel like he's going to try, and then if he gets threatened with something, then we're going to see, like, a, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, and, he, and, and to his defense, too, like, that's always been his style is to, like, get in somebody's face and just try to, like, be the aggressor. And sometimes when you get into that space, like – you know, you're in a bad space striking wise and you move to the grappling or you move to the clinch. I feel like he's going to move to the clinch here and he's just going to get thrown around. Cause once Livy gets his, it, once he gets like a body lock or his arms around your legs or whatever, he finishes what he's got and he's threatening all the time for submissions. And even if Garcia shoots, I, you know, I think he's got a good guillotine. I think he's got a bunch of ways to finish here. So sounds like we're both leaning Levy here on this one. How do you got him winning it? Oh, uh, it's a tough one. I mean, you feel like you have two of them. It's, you know, nobody's saying one punch knockout. So you're either going decision or you're saying, does the aggressive wrestling lead to a submission? I'm going to lead submission, not right away, maybe second round. But if we're going to get a little sexy with it, I'm going to go with a submission for Levy. Yeah, and I'm going to follow you on that one, too. We're going to be two for two in this first round, and I'm going to take Levy by submission as well. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app got to be the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little research on an upcoming fight between Sean Brady and Michael Chiesa. Well, 
right there in the app, you can click on their fight, which is super easy to find in the scores tab. And not only do you get when that fight is happening, but you get the opening and now the current lines. That lets you know where the movement's coming, whether the money's coming out of Chiesa or Brady, whether it's been pretty stable. It gives you all kinds of insights you need. It also gives you that on the totals, the overs and unders. It's all right there in the All-Star app. So why don't you just go download it in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. We are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Loma Luke Bume versus Lupi Garcia, or Good Godinez, not Garcia, Godinez. Luke Bume, since losing to Angela Hill, has won two straight. She beat Jin Yu Fry and Sam Hughes, both of which were by decision, the latter of which was back in May. Godinez, meanwhile, fought twice in seven days. Get this, one month ago, 43 days before this fight. She beat Silvana Gomez-Juarez in the first fight by submission. She followed that off with a decision loss to Luana Carolina. So, in the Carolina fight for Godinez, it, she couldn't get her wrestling going because she was fighting both a tie striker, which is typically difficult to get your wrestling going against, and somebody who is much bigger than her. Which of those do you feel like is the bigger problem? Because she's fighting, get this, a tie striker again, however one who is much smaller than her. Still, that's the thing. You can't really say size when you have a smaller fighter. But looking at the record, I think they have literally exactly the same record. I think they're both six and two. But you just when this fight was booked, the first thing I thought was like, "Whoa, that's a tough test for Godinez." I mean, I just feel like Luke Boone, me. I mean, it just I, I would have to lead with that one with experience, with the fact that she's beaten some really tough people. I mean, it just I don't know, man. This is a tough matchup for Godinez to get, especially when you'd expect her to get more of a bounce back fight. Yeah, and, and I would say, too, and, and I kind of agree with your statement there, is that, like, I think the 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 size thing may be less of a factor and the, the Muay Thai stylist is more of a factor, right? Like, w- when you're getting knees in the clinch and you're getting somebody who's used to being in the clinch, and, hey, look, Luma Lugbume had some really nice takedowns on Sam Hughes. She, like, foot-swept her, like, five or six times in that fight. I think Luke Bume is just kind of a tough out for her. And like you said, she stood toe-to-toe with Angela Hill for three rounds. She stood toe-to-toe with some really great women uh, in this. You know, Ginny Fry is a really hard right. person to get, you know, really hard, hard person to, to go 15 minutes with. And she really didn't let Ginny Fry take her down. She didn't let Angela Hill take her down. I don't think she's going to let Lupita Godinez take her down. And if that's the case... I don't really like Lupita Godinez's chance on the on the feet, so I, I'm gonna go with Luke Bume here. I'm gonna say decision. It's women's straw weight, not a lot of finishes. How about you? Yeah, I gotta go to the same thing, man. I mean, listen, it's not their fault. They're they're very small at about 115, 125. Those kind of weights, like not a whole lot of punching power. So yeah, I'm gonna go same with you, Loma by decision. All right, and that brings us to our second fight in the second round, which is Terrence McKinney versus Faris Zayem. So McKinney won his debut over Matt Frivola in seven seconds back in June. He then, of course, messed up his knee celebrating, but that was his fourth win of 2020. He's going to be looking for number five this weekend. Zayem, meanwhile, lost his debut, but since then has won two straight over Jamie Malarkey and Luigi Vendramini, both of those decisions, the latter of which was back in June. So obviously McKinney looked as impressive as you can in seven seconds. But my question is, is, is Zayim going to pull him into a little bit deeper waters? And if so, what does that look like with McKinney? That's going to be tough, man. Cause whenever you have a prospect like that, that's used to finishing fights. I don't know if he's ever gone the distance. So you have a guy that's used to finishing fights. The question is, can he get the finish early or is he going to get dragged to deep waters? And all of a sudden you see that surprise look on their face where, 
I'm not used to being here. Um, I mean, I feel like with this matchup, though, uh, we're definitely leaning towards McKinney. I feel like he can get it done, but isn't the question, is this the case of a prospect forced to go the distance, and they're not necessarily ready for it? Yeah, and I do think, too, this is going to be one of his toughest tests. Like, if he is in there with that mentality, like, I'm going to get him out of there quick, that that's a tough one, right? Because yeah. he has won four fights this year. He spent less than two minutes in the cage. He's fighting a guy who's pretty defensively sound and very long, uh, which I think is a problem he didn't see with Matt Favola. Matt Favola, notoriously not a big, long, lanky <laughs> guy for that division. Whereas far as Zayim, he's got incredible reach. I think it's... I think looking back, I think he's like 6'3", did I see that right? Um, which is incredible. 6'1", only 6'1", sorry, looking at my stats now. 6'1", <laughs> but still very big for lightweight, right, for 155 pounds. He's got an incredible reach. You know, he's actually got a 6'3"-inch reach. So, yeah, like I think it's going to be harder for Terrence McKinney to get in on there. I, I will be interested to see what happens when he has to fight a, a high-quality opponent later into a fight, but... Um, yeah, so it sounds like you said you were leaning McKinney. How do you see him getting it done? That's a tough one because I look at this one and I'm not thinking it's going to be a quick knockout. Obviously, this could come back and bite me in the ass. But you you wonder if it's going to be a case of he's got to work through a tough first round, eventually get the finish in the second, or if this is one where he goes to the distance for the first time and uh, we get to see you know him tack on some experience and figure it out. I'm going to go with the second round knockout. I feel like he's going to work in that first round, and then I feel like he's eventually going to figure something out. I love it. I'm going to go with the knockout as well. I, I think he eventually finds that range somewhere in there. And, and really, he's just got to find it once because, damn, does he hit hard. So, uh, And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the last three fights in the third round. All right, guys, one last thing that I really love about the All-Star app, and that's their news feed. If you're the type of person who gets your sports news from social media, you got to stop doing that and start reading the All-Star app instead because they use a proprietary algorithm that only brings you the highest quality sports news and you can personalize that feed too. So say you, there's a sport you don't care about, you don't give a, a, a darn about soccer, well you can eliminate that right from your app and then you're getting all the stuff you like right in one nice neat little spot. And let me tell you something, if that sounds like something you like and it is something that I like, go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store or the App Store or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Cody Durden versus Ayori Kilang. So Durden 0-1-1 in the UFC. He drew in his debut against Chris Gutierrez. He lost by flying, flying triangle choke to Jimmy Flick in his second <laughs> fight, um, which is just a ridiculous sentence to say. Um, Quilang, meanwhile, lost his debut to Jeff Molina by decision. That was back in April. Hasn't fought since. It's interesting for me here because Cody Durden, uh, is a guy who likes to wrestle, but hasn't been wildly successful with it. And you can say the same thing about Quilang, right? Like he likes to wrestle, but he was two of 12 in his debut. Do you think this is going to be a couple of like pigheaded guys, like just trying to wrestle as to the best of their abilities? Or, or do you think they're probably going to try a new avenue here? Oh, no, nah, man. You got to go to the tried and trust, uh, trusted <laughs> in this one. And uh, tried and tested. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, man. This is, this is a tough one. because, And he's got a – I'm going to call him Mongolian murderer because it's easier. I think the way you pronounce the name, it's like 
Archie Lang or something. It's weird. It's like you look at it. I'm definitely saying it wrong. I always know I'm saying it wrong. Because I, interv- I interviewed him and I was ready to just say how it was spelled. And the guy was like, uh, Archie Lang. I was like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> never mind then. But uh, I-, I feel like I'm leaning towards Cody Durden. I don't know. The Mongolian murderer, he's just, he's got like a few things that, that bother me a little bit. Uh, yeah, I feel like Cody Durden for me is a little bit of a safer pick. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who can uh, implement their game plan first. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about uh, R.G. Lang or however you say his name. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm a little bit worried about how often he goes to the wrestling when it's failing. Like, he almost, like, telegraphs it. And, you know, like, Cody Durden is a collegiate-level wrestler. Like, he's a guy we know knows how to stuff, the, especially, like, a really telegraph shot. I think, ultimately, that's just going to tire out uh, Key Lang. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cody, Cody Durden as well. I'll take him here by decision. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Shai Yalan versus Sean Soriano. Yalan lost his debut to Josh Kolobau. That was in May, uh, and it was a decision. Sean Soriano, meanwhile, 0-3 in his first UFC stint, 0-1 in this UFC stint. Uh, the most recent loss was a Darius Choke loss to Christos Iagos, and actually three of his four UFC losses uh, were by submission. My question here, yeah, Shai Yalan, a guy who likes the ground quite a little bit, does he make it four out of five here against Sean Soriano? I know everything is telling you yes. Because obviously Sean Soriano in the UFC, I mean, he's tried it twice and it's not, it's tough for him. But yeah, man, I mean, yeah, I feel like you do have to go with uh, another complicated name here. I know you're really testing my <laughs> linguistic skills, but I mean, common knowledge would say this is the kind of instance where there's another submission and another disappointing result. But yeah, man, this, this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, and for me here, it's really going to depend on whether or not Soriano's kind of like shored up some of that takedown defense. Look, if you look at all four of his fights, and again, I'm I'm not saying I'm married to statistics or anything like that, but he's given up at least three takedowns every single time he's fought in the UFC over four times. That's ridiculous, dude. Nobody's going to continuously put together good performances when they're getting taken down that much. You'd have to imagine he's going to have to stuff some things in order to win this fight. And Shayuan, not for anything, like, he took down Josh Kulabau a couple of times. He, he looked pretty damn good doing it, too. And granted, he got tired as the fight went on. But I'm not sure Sean Soriano has got, like, the gas tank that makes me think he's going to gas out. I will say, shockingly, Sean Soriano, a massive favorite in this fight at, like, negative 250. Um, but, yeah, it's a, definitely a hard fight to call. Are you going with Soriano? Are you going with uh, our, our linguistic tester here, uh, Shayuan Nick? Yeah, I'm not even going to try the last name. Shyulan. <laughs> I'm going to go with the underdog. That's how I'm going to word that. That way we're going to navigate that one. I feel like if I was a betting man, this would feel like there'd be some value on that. But I'm not, so I don't want to put that responsibility on me. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the underdog. It just feels like a loss by submission in the UFC. is that That's just Soriano's story, so that's what I'm going with here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you again. We're six for six on this. I'm going to take Shyulan. <laughs> I, I can't believe he's listed as that big of an underdog. I can't imagine – betting negative 250 on a guy who's 0-4 in the UFC. Uh, But hey, somebody must be doing it or else the lines wouldn't look like that. Um, And that brings us to our last fight, which is Luana Pinheiro versus Sam Hughes. Pinheiro beat Randa Marcos kind of awkwardly by DQ in her debut. It was an illegal upkick. She wasn't able to continue. That was back in May. Sam Hughes, meanwhile, 0-2 in the UFC, but the losses... Really good competition here. Tisha Torres and Lomaluk Bume, the latter of which was back in May. So, obviously tough outs for Hughes in her first two fights, and we we got the weird outcome for Pinheiro, too. 
Did you see anything from Hughes fighting that higher level competition, though, that would make you think she's got the skills that are going to play up against somebody who is definitely a step back from what she's fought so far? I mean, what's the what, what's the thing people say to be nice toughness, right? Is that is that yeah, the one? Yeah, she's but, fucking tough. <laughs> that that bothers me so much that she got finished by Tisha Torres like that. I mean, she didn't get you know knocked out or anything, but still, like Tisha Torres doesn't do that. So, you know, very unlucky in those first couple of fights. But I just feel like Pinheiro is just that that feels like the safer pick going toe to toe with our you know random Marcos can be a little weird sometimes. Sometimes she's great. Sometimes she goes for a takedown against Mackenzie Dern, but. <laughs> yeah, I just that's I don't a know, terrible man. idea. <laughs> oh man, God, that's we talk about fight IQ. This this is what we mean. But I, yeah, I feel like I just I don't know, man. I have trouble trusting Sam Hughes in this one. It, it this is definitely a tough fight. Yeah, and I, I hate going back to the takedowns all the time too. But she got put swept <laughs> by Loma Lukbumake like yep. fifty times, right? And and I mentioned that you know giving it a positive to Loma when we were talking about the Loma breakdown, but it's also a negative here for Hughes, right? If you get foot swept by Loma Lugbume, who's a Muay Thai fighter that many times, now you're going to step in with a judo specialist. Like, how good can that go for you? But you're right. She's tough. She is so incredibly tough. And granted, yeah, the, the stoppage against Tisha Torres is a weird stoppage against Tisha Torres. But, you know, like, she went in there and took all of Tisha's best shots, and the doctor wouldn't let her keep going. So, yeah, like, I, I love the toughness of Sam Hughes. I just worry that, like, the, the, the skill set, the stuff, the takedowns, not here. Uh, for that reason, I'm also going with Pinheiro. How do you see her winning this one? Uh, that's tough one because she's a finisher. Um, I don't know. I, f- I feel like you can go submission or decision. I don't know. I I hate saying decision, so I'm gonna go submission in this one. All right, and I'm gonna go with decision. I always think it's a safer bet when we're talking <laughs> yes. about the lighter weight classes, whether it's men's flyweight or women's strawweight. They they tend to end in decision, so I'm gonna go decision there as well. And that's going to do it for the end of our very last round. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, catching all seven of these fights in just a little bit over 15 minutes. And, of course, I want to thank my co-host, Lucas Grandsire. You can find him on Twitter, at GrandsireMMA. And, of course, you can find him as the Combat Sports Editor of Clutch Points. Lucas, thanks so much for the time, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.